Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO and founder of the Deerdeck Machine. What is the Deerdeck Machine? The Deerdeck Machine is a one of a kind venture creation studio. And as a machine in a studio, we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing companies. And we try to do it over and over and over again with extraordinary do or dire entrepreneurs that we believe have a vision for an amazing idea and they understand the seven core capabilities of business and we can run them through our machine method and at the end we all win together because we have a successful sustainable profitable acquirable business it's what we love to do down here We really enjoyed it. If you listen to this show, you also know uh, we love talking to entrepreneurs and hearing their ideas and and using our knowledge to help them uh, maybe shape their idea, evolve their way of thinking, or or giving them some tough love on on really what they should think about doing to either change their idea or evolve themselves to be able to do that idea better. Something we love, as you know, to do down here. And, you know, a lot of times as a young entrepreneur, a first time entrepreneur and, and just, you know, really doing anything at all in life, you know, it always kind of starts and ends with belief, right? And belief is this tricky, tricky thing, right? Because you can't fake belief, okay? You can't look in the mirror and tell yourself how much you believe in something, and think it's going to stick. You could get warm inside. I think I think if I I if I got something really big I want to happen, I could probably look in the mirror and tell myself, "I believe in you." Do you believe in you? Yes, I believe in me. You know, I could probably be warm inside for a second, but then the moment I start thinking about how I'm going to do it, then I start losing belief again. And and when I say that it sort of starts and ends with belief is belief is a process. You know, belief is without a doubt a process and, and, you know, Tony Robbins actually has a really interesting, um, sort of belief and success cycle, you know, and, and it starts with belief, you know, because uh, you have to like believe that this business idea that you want to create, uh, is plausible. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to like really, uh, believe like, oh, I could do this. And it starts there, right? So then, you know, the, the, the next part of the cycle is potential, right? So now you've got to look at, here's all the things that I could potentially make happen in order to make this idea come alive. Then, then that potential, right, is essentially like where you're seeing the plan and what's possible. Then, you got to you got to take that action, right? Then when you take that action of like, okay, I'm going to actually go and do this and make this a reality, then there's the results. What happened? Right? What happened? You had you believed you could do it. it you, you saw the potential, you put together everything you needed to do, you actually put in the effort to make it happen, and then there are results. And in that result is where belief lives and dies. You know, at the end of the day, you grow belief. You grow belief in your idea. You grow belief in yourself. You grow belief in, in your plan. You grow belief in those around you. Uh, you grow belief in almost every aspect of your existence. And so, you know, it's it's okay 
to to question like how much you believe something, how much you you believe the, the idea you're doing, and and throughout the process of 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 beginning to 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 lose a little bit of faith and be not sure, you know, but you can't sit and dwell in it, right? It's like you've got to grow that belief over time, and the only way that you can grow that belief is to continually uh, go through that belief cycle, you know, of of constantly making a little bit more progress towards an idea, like looking at its potential, reshaping it, taking action, seeing the results, changing, evolving, starting over, and just going through that loop. Similar to even the loop of the great Ray Dalio, uh, although it's a much more dramatic one where it is like big audacious goals, you know, action, failure, learn, big audacious goals, right? Like it's the sort of evolutionary loops as he calls it. But the truth is that, it's belief that can also be the thing that that tells you that it's time to move on as well you know it's you know i always like to say you know you only quit when you when you stop believing that you're going to do something right and i think that's that's pure and clear it's understanding like how you're actually choosing to lose belief um is it because you really uh, it's not working and you've tried everything and ultimately it's time to give up that you lost belief or did you barely try and you're not putting in the effort to figure it out and evolve and learn and you're spending all of your time dwelling and not believing till you finally just be like, oh, there it is. I don't believe anymore. I'm just not going to do it. It's not meant to be. You know, it, it's there's there's many ways to lose belief and give up. And there's also many ways to grow belief. And and I just think no matter what, you don't ever want to like spend your time sitting and dwelling and thinking about all the reasons why it's not working or be up on the other side, hoping and wishing all the reasons you want it to work. You just need to live in problem solving experiencing or creating right like you just have to stay in that zone and constantly be uh, reshaping re-evolving re-evaluating your strategic path forward on how you're going to create uh, the future create the results that you need to build that belief and as long as you're making progress and you're putting in effort and moving towards your first goal as it as it relates to achieving whatever it is you hope to achieve on any aspect of life as long as you're making that progress you know you're going to be building belief over time but you never you never have it in its purest form until like you've gone through that cycle so many times and that you've built a foundation of experience and belief in yourself that that even allows you to know that this process always works and if you stay at it and keep evolving that you will continue to believe in yourself and the idea and the plausibility that it's actually going to happen and again i i say it a million times if it's not growing, if you're not making progress and you really get to the point that that you don't believe you can, you should quit. You should quit. You know, it, it's like you're not going to talk yourself into keep on believing. You have got to tactically 
grow into believing you're actually going to do it. So again, it's a life, it's a journey. You don't get it overnight, you get it over time, you know, and, 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 and as long as you continue to think about how do I evolve, how do I seek clarity, and, and how do I continue to make progress, you will forever uh, learn how to build belief in basically anything that you choose to do. And it is especially important when you are building a business. And today we have some great entrepreneurs who are building their dreams. And hopefully I can give them some some great insight uh, into how they can evolve those dreams further. So without further ado, let's welcome our first guest. Courtney and Lee Jackson, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you guys? Going on. How are you? I look, I'm I'm really, really good. I mean, I'm looking at two real deal entrepreneurs here. You know what I mean? Hey, this is the type of entrepreneurs like, no, no, okay. We tried this. I don't like the way this feels. What about that? That looks amazing. Let's try that. Oh, I don't know if I like the way that feels. Oh, no, no. This is what we need to do. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. But what do you think? Let's go. Uh, salon? I think a salon would be amazing. Dang, salons are hard. You know, forget that. Let's make an app. Man, this app's amazing. Ooh, maps are hard. Okay, let's go back to painting. How'd you Let's know go back so to well. painting. <laughs> oh man, it's like it's the truest. I am. It's the truest serial entrepreneur's energy. What you guys have, and 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 I look forward to just discussing your latest idea and drawing context to your previous ideas and and why I, on this show I love having or make people make a video to kind of explain their idea and what it is so I can really kind of get a little bit more understanding of who each individual is and and who they are as entrepreneurs cuz it's incredibly telling in in what you put in a 15 minute video you know and uh-huh. and you really Courtney <laughs> laid it all out laid it all out so so before we jump in into that tell me about Trade Assure and, and sort of where you're at with it and ultimately why you guys think this is the one. So for Trade Assure, where we haven't started it yet. When I watched your videos and you said that you kind of like those opportunities to start from the very beginning with an idea, I was like, maybe this is the beginning of the idea that's been sitting with me for a long time. Yeah. I think this one is because it's tech and the scalability is something that can happen extremely fast. And it's also one of those companies where, you know, you feel like you're helping people. So that's a bonus. So that was once I came across your videos that spoke to me, I was like, I have to send a video now and it has to be for this company. And, and then really ultimately what part of your experience has led to your ability in your mind to execute this idea, right? Because it's, it, again, where you look at all these different things that you guys have, have tried, it's a really big idea in sort of a collections and financial services. Like, yeah, it's got the scalability and it's an app that can be automated and people could be transacting on it and you can get a percentage, but woohoo, that's a big undertaking uh, to enter that. Yeah, I think that's what's kind of um, kept it as an idea. Um, and then realizing that there could be opportunity with someone that has a little bit more um, backing behind it to make sure that we make it execute as it needs to. Um, for collections, I actually don't want it to be a collections. I kind of want it to be um, a pressure app where you know the automation part is it's sending this generic letter um, and that's kind of getting people a little bit scared that, okay, I should take this seriously and pay, pay my bill. Also accompanied with like a credit score rating 
issue. Um, and then after that, we can, if they need to go further, then we can create partnerships with like lawyers and things like that, that they can take to the next step, maybe at a rate that's specific to us that makes it a little bit more easier and affordable for them to actually take the next step. Yeah. And look, when I think about it from that perspective, right, it feels almost the same as how you were in a position yourselves when like if you had this exact app and the people that didn't pay you, if they got the letter, you know, they ignored it. Mm -hmm. And then even if like the, hey, it's going to ding your credit score, they're going to ignore it. And then like you get even a better deal on a lawyer that you're still faced with the same decision. You're like, okay, do I want to spend like any money to chase this money down? You know, it's just that, that, that painful vendor sort of reality. You know what I mean? For some reason, I lost my, my own thought right there. I'm like, have I ever not paid a vendor? And I, re- and I realized like, no, I would never, ever do such a thing. And then I'm like, dude, just normal good people, just pay people. You know what I mean? Uh, but I have friends like, you know what? People that don't pay vendors make excuses validated in their mind on why, you know, it was a week behind, you know, it was like something they don't allow any flexibility in like the deliverable. And then they decide you just deserve nothing because you didn't deliver exactly as what we expected in the, in the deal that we had together. But look, you know, look, I, I'm given that it's at such an idea stage and, and, and an app stage, I think it's 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 hard for me to see a direct line that that doesn't not make it somewhat problematic. And and when I think about a problem solve, like I think about the payment services. Like if you had a payment services for vendors, where like, hey, we could offer that you could do this, you know, f- like you know, thousand dollar paint job, you could get it on twenty dollar payments for you know whatever. Like that way, there wouldn't be the pressure. Then they would sign up for it. Then you'd automatically be getting the payments on it, and now you know they're going to cover that type of thing. It's just one idea of like when I thought about like, well, how could you kind of meet in the middle of like create a service for vendors that gave more flexibility to clients and allowed for them to do bigger jobs because their jobs came with payments. And I'm sure there's probably a service that provides that. But then these smaller payments are easy to make, which is in, ensures that they get the money uh, long term, potentially with interest. You know, now, uh, just when I think about sort of the opportunity that that lies in that. But look, here's the thing. You know, even, even someone like me, when we look at ideas, we're looking at your experience to to see like you are discovering an opportunity based off of your expertise, right? When we say founder market fit, it's like, oh, look, look, they're they've they've had a lot of knowledge built up, good and bad, in this industry, and they've discovered this opportunity, and it perfectly coincides with their expertise and the development of their skill sets over the years, right? And, and they understand how to execute this and they see it, how to make money from it, from an execution and operational standpoint versus like, and when we say idea stage versus like, Hey, I got an idea. I'm not entirely, I don't really have the skill set or the knowledge or the, the, the know-how to execute that, but here's an idea. If you could like help me put all the pieces together to bring it, that's, that's where it gets really, really difficult, right? Because you know, when I think about you guys, you know, and, and this is a weird analogy, but I look at TV as like my ha- my painting, 
You know what I mean? Like I look to TV as like, you know, I, I, it's just something that, that takes very little effort that I'm really good at. That's successful. That makes money that, that is still like, you know, something I know so well that I just keep doing. Right. There was a time when I was, you know, 38 years old where I was like, I can't be on MTV anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm going to be 40 on MTV. And, and the way that I looked at TV was like the thing that I didn't want to do. Right. Like I, 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 then my narrative that I created on it, I, I just almost brought negative energy to this thing that provided sustainability and a significant amount of cash flow in my life. And, and when I, took the time to design my life and like, okay, here's the things that I want to achieve. This is what I want my life to look like. Here's what, what, how I want to spend my time. Um, this is what the type, the money I need to live the lifestyle that I want to, to live. TV then changed for what its value was and for me to, to lead towards accomplishing that bigger design. And so I, I don't say that it, for anything other than um, when you look at your journey, of going idea first, right? Nail salon, not a good experience. Every nail salon I go to, it's the worst experience. I'm going to change that. That was, I'm sure, the tip of the spear on where the opportunity was. Then you dived in and done it. And then it's like, oh my goodness, like actually operating a nail salon is a nightmare. And what's the, what's the hardest part? Finding great people to uh, actually provide the experience and the service because you know how hard that is, period, right? And I would, I would guess, and I'm just guessing here, that when you guys went from uh, down to painting kitchens and kitchen cabinets and found the quick success, that it was, again, the only way to scale and do it was to hire people that could paint cabinets. And then you can't find anybody that can do that because then it's back on you to basically paint every single one yourself uh, because finding the right quality of people, I'm assuming, kind of jammed that one up. Uh, and I know I'm ranting here, <laughs> but you know, my, my question to you guys is, is as you're searching for the right ideas and, and building that sort of life plan together, do you ever think of just building a base that's, um, back in the paint game because you've been able to find so, so much success there? So as we speak right now, we're scaling the refinishing company. We put oh, systems, processes in place, ways to train, ways to scale. So that's where we're at right now, which is our day-to-day living. Yeah. Someone has to feed, feed the kids. <laughs> yeah, look, and, and to me, it's, you know, in, in life, you can, and let me, let me give you a, a, a real example. Now, someone, I also track all my time to, to, to the hour every day, mm-hmm. right? And beautiful, beautiful life by design. Right. You know, I, I, you know, spend 30% with my wife and family. I spend 30% working 10% on my health and 30% sleeping by design clean as a whistle. Right. I I do all my work within that 30%. Now I shot 250 episodes of television over the last year. It was exactly 4% of my time. Right. So that's how automated I have it and how optimized I have it. So I, I think with what you're doing, with the 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 current business there's a world where you can get that thing so optimized and automated in a way where you really can 
um, you know, and, and pick what that number is, right. Of like, Hey, if, if we could get this to hundred grand a month, fully automated and optimized where we had extra time to work on, on the other side stuff that we want to create to go get that jet money, to go mm-hmm. get that jet money, that generational wealth you talk about, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, I think that you have built the foundation for that as a, a potential. So I just would implore that you, continue to push that forward. You know what I mean? Because I think that that's where, you know, if you look at that as your base, your foundation, and then you look, okay, how do we pull money out of that and invest that in, you know, um, in in some sort of cash flowing real estate or something in that fact. So now that you, you're now growing your foundation along with your core business that generates your cash flow, that, that ultimately leaves you the time and the freedom to explore ideas. And then you got to be, you got to think about these ideas that you want to do, you know, from a, a, a multidimensional place, you know what I mean? Like all aspects, you got You can't ever allow yourself to nail salon anything ever again. You know what I mean? You can't let the, you can't, you can't, you know what I mean? You can't children's clothing line it again, right? Like you got to like, look at, you got to all ask all those questions about the business ahead of time and make sure it spend the time to learn all of that stuff. And, and, and Hey, and it could be trade sure. It could be that, but I think you spend all your time learning every single thing that you can about it testing it, getting feedback before you ever spend a dime or create something so that you can, can make what I'd consider that pre-launch failure before you ever go through all the effort and energy to then launch it, to realize how much that you, you don't do it. And, and look for us, because I was exactly like the Jackson family, <laughs> uh, where I would just, I was the same way. I'm brand idea guy. And it'd be like, this would be amazing. I, I literally fall in love with the idea and how amazing it would be. Now I would will these things into existence and then do the same thing. Then it doesn't work. And then it's like, what, why is this not working? And I had to create the machine method that we have down here at, at the deer deck machine, essentially to protect me from me. <laughs> Right. Because it's like, it's why we have a discovery phase, right? Like that's where it's like, Ooh, a nail salon. Ooh, I love this. I want a, nobody's got the experience. This is why it's going to be different. And then I now have a diligence phase. That's a deep, like spend all the time, model it out, learn everything, ask every question, get feedback from experts, every last thing. So before I ever cut a check and start something, that I have a thesis or a hypothesis on why I'm going to do it. I have already identified why it may not work and all the reasons that there is something special in here that will potentially make it work before I pull that trigger because the moment you decide to do it, now you get into that world of hurt. Like you just don't want to like be trying to, you don't want to learn all that you don't know by wasting all your own money and time in that sort of uh, aspect. And then in the build phase, you're trying to like make all your mistakes before you actually launch it and start spending money, right? You make the commitment and go into build, but now you're living in it. And before you ever burn money, how can you pivot and micro pivot and make all these mistakes ahead of time? So by the time it turns real, you have the best shot of success, you know? So I would implore that you also take 
you know, we're cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? <laughs> only my look, only mine was like, I would make millions of dollars and then waste millions of dollars on ideas where I'd be like, this for sure is going to be, I'm going to make like 50 million off this. And I would lose like 3 million and be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where, where's my jet money? You know what I mean? It was like, you know, this, the same sort of concept, but look, I, I know you got a couple questions for me. You know, I'm over here just ranting, but, but hit me with a couple questions. Well, I have actually a new question. Uh-huh because sure. of where this conversation went because like once you have that idea like you need to get it out and I feel like once you go through that process of what you need to do um to do is smart you kind of lose that that excitement like how else can we channel that and still like yeah look look no I know exactly what you mean and listen to me. And it made me sad as you said. No, I'm so sad. And, and, and let me and let me tell you the difference, right? Let me tell you the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Is you lose excitement when you when you really start to go figure it out, when you don't understand it, when it isn't clear and the idea becomes less plausible, potentially profitable and doable. Yeah. You're you better believe it it should die right there. Yeah. Because this is how it works on the other side. When you go deeper in it, it's like, oh, you get more clear. Oh, that's how we would do it. Oh, oh, if we did this, oh, man, like, oh, if we did it like this, we could target this person. And this is how much it would. Oh, my God. Oh, we could do this, this and this. That's where it's real. Right. When as you're putting all that extra energy and time and developing and going deeper and you're discovering more and getting more excited about the idea, that's when you got a real one. If you are now putting in all that work and it's getting less exciting. You got a bad idea, you know, and to me, like you look, even you asking it is you basically being like, look, I got these ideas. I just got to get them out. Look, hey, 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 your process is like, let me get as quickly as I can to making it real to see if it'll work. Right. And and I swear to you, that is exactly how I used to be. And guess what? Almost everything didn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Almost all of them. I we did. So, we learned so, yeah. much. We learned so much. So much. Yeah. And look, and I learned a lot too. And I, it's the, it's the reality of when I look back at how much I've learned in the last five years yeah. versus what I learned in the previous 20 mm-hmm. of doing it over and over for 20, when I finally decided to apply this system, mm-hmm. I, like expanded my knowledge by a hundredfold compared to what I learned over that 20 years, because you're, you're, you're understand, you're no longer looking at how do I bring the idea live, but you're looking at how do I make a great business? How do I develop a great opportunity? And for me, it's like, I look at how I used to do it. And it's much like, I swear I thought identically. And I would have, I would have bragged about how much I learned, five years ago when I didn't know anything, you know what I mean? Like I would have like, Oh, I did this, this, and oh, I lost 2 million here. Yeah. I invested this lost 3 million, but boy, they taught me about operations, right? Like, okay, great, Rob. You know what I mean? You spent 4 million to buy a company and watched it go out of business, but boy, those lessons <laughs> never forget them. Right? Like it's in, when I look at those lessons, yeah, it taught me some stuff, but nothing taught me like, 
anything until I decided to look at business multidimensionally and do it in a very structured, methodic way. Um, Because now you're looking at how something works holistically every time. And when you look at all those moving parts and you begin to see harmony and opportunity and then you launch it, you see that happen. You see the success happen when you get it there because it was so clear in all that early work. When it wasn't clear in that early work and you launch it, it doesn't find the same level of success because you're still tr- struggling to figure it out. So I only say that because that's, that's your energy. But I, I just think, you know, you should, you should consider building your, your company building process for yourself and put some rails to protect you from you the same way I had to build the, the machine method to protect me from me, you know. So I have a question about that. Did you have a mentor that helped you identify what that would look like? Because we don't know what that looks like. And we don't have anyone in our life that is like, things like us at all. And the community for this is like really important so that you can grow without the mistakes. And I'm curious how you were able to flip that after 20 years, 20 years of being this way to jump into the last five years. How did you switch it? Like, what did you do? Well, I mean, look, I went through sort of a painful process because I had this this big investment group that wanted to invest in everything that I did, you know, and I really felt like I made it. You know, it was like, oh, here we go. These big private equity guys are going to turn me into the billionaire I, I was always meant to be. Mm-hmm. And when they did the diligence on me, it they basically showed me how little value I've created and how bad of a business person I actually was. And so it was this brutal awakening of like, I needed to evolve into what I thought I was. And I just went on this crazy journey of reading every business book, um, talking to a ton of different like business consultants and finally hiring business consultants to help me build a process for creating businesses. Right. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I had like one specific mentor, but I, I committed to learning what makes a great business and how can I build a great business first. And that was through so many different things, specifically a book that was called Start at the End. That was this idea of if you're going to create a business, decide what you want out of it and then build all the steps backwards from zero to get there. And only then will you understand how the business actually works. I think that changed every bit of my being and way of thinking as it related to everything, because I then applied that to my life. I was like, okay, well, what type of life do I want? And what are all the components of it? And then what are all the steps and things that I need to do to get me there? So, you know, I'm, I know it feels big and daunting, but it really is the idea of, you know, all of it is, is you have so much access to learn and and deciding what the outcome of an idea is first. And when it comes to a business, you've got to understand a business really well in order to determine the outcome, right? And, you know, in a case of like when we, when I built and sold Super Jacket, my production company, it was, man, I, I learned every single thing that there was about how to build and sell a production company. And then I hired somebody who had went through a build and acquisition. 
And I knew every step of the way, this is what you need. You need three years of revenue. You need, you trade on EBITDA, right? Mm-hmm. You need three years of EBITDA. This, you're going to sell it most likely to a production company that will like roll your EBITDA up into their production company. Mm-hmm. It will be at six times uh, your EBITDA. This is how you create EBITDA in a production company. You do it through finishing, through music, through post-production. All There's all these verticals that drive that. Here's the industry standard. It's 25%, right? Like all I mapped it out to the T and then I used my unfair advantage. That was, I was on television, right? I had the relationship with the network. I went and did a deal to add more seasons to my deal. If they would give me the production and boom, just like that, my company does 50 million in revenue in one year. Right. So it's like from zero to 50 million and I had it sold in year three. Right. So it is plausible and possible. And but I didn't just say, man, I'm I'm on TV, man. I should build a production company and sell it. That's what I should do. I should do it right now. And it's like because what that's how I, I would have did it, you know, a few years earlier, because I would have just been like, I wouldn't have taken the time to decide, hey, this is when I'm going to do it, how much I'm going to sell it for, who am I going to sell it for, and all the things that I need to do now. Did it happen over the three years exactly how I thought it would be? No, no, because that's the magic of being an entrepreneur and how business and life works. It's just chaos and crazy. But the direction and the path and everything was set. And since I had so much clarity on that goal, what happens? The the world, the universe conspires to create these opportunities that are pushing me towards it. And as I get closer, it goes faster and faster. And and then, you know, I take it to market and the most unlikely if person comes back around and acquires it. Uh, the actual group that offered me that 360 deal and that deal from from five, six years earlier. You know, it was this remarkable sort of, uh, you know, like uh, thing to even occur in my life. But I, I only say that. So when you start thinking about everything that you're doing, try to put an anchor at the end and learn everything you can on what that that success looks like and build it backwards and you are going to have a much much more likely shot of of not only success but enjoying the process because now you're realizing your vision in a tactical way rather than just starting it and then learning as you go and then learning all the things you don't know and then not even sure what to do and then finally like questioning so much that you just finally have to give up, you know. So take that word, pick an industry, whatever it may be. I look forward to hearing about your next start at the end sort of concept that you create because I know you're going to go do one and I know you're going to go do it and find success. Now, it may not buy you a jet, I'll get you to the Billy Mark, or it just might. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, it will. Oh, yeah. Okay, look, I appreciate you guys both coming on, man. I, I wish you the best of luck. I look forward to hearing about, about the your future successes. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. What's up, Deer Deck Machine? Matt Plapp here. I am the owner, founder, CEO, whatever title you want to give me, of Driven Media Solutions, marketing firm I've owned and operated since 2008. Uh, we have a couple brands underneath there. America's Best Restaurants is our media company, which creates creating TV shows right now for restaurants. We have a van on the streets right now as I speak. It's down in Chapel. I know it's in High Point, North Carolina. We were at Chapel Hill last week. Every week, that van visits 10 to 15 restaurants creating short stories for our media company to launch on YouTube in September. 
The other part of our company that we have is Restaurant Marketing That Works. That is our media marketing company. We work with hundreds of restaurants across the country on a platform that I created that my team manages. We need somebody along the ride. Why? My weakness is finance. We do okay at budgeting stuff, but having the capital to do what we want to do. Uh, and it's also uh, having the opportunity and the expertise of people that can help me scale. I've built the company to 40 employees. I don't do anything in the day-to-day. I've gotten pretty good at that, but this next thing we're gonna do is be next level. So love you, have, have you on the ride. Love to have a conversation. That's all I got. Gear Deck Machine, love the podcast, love what you're doing. If there's an opportunity to talk, I'd love to have it. See you later. Matt Plab, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you, my friend? Living the dream, brother. How are you? I look, man, I, I I just love to see you in orange. I love that you're beyond living the dream. You're living the brand. Always orange. Orange shoes, orange shirt, orange cars, you name it. I mean, look, I there's no doubt to me you are a pure doer dyer. You are a pure doer dyer. You have built your entire own multi-platform universe of of creative services, marketing and media now, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm really impressed with kind of what you've put together, who you are as the brand, how committed you are to uh, evolving America's best restaurant into media uh, that ultimately funnels down into your marketing. So really, really impressed and just just uh, know that you're already out there making it happen. Uh, but just just so curious as to, you know, what what kind of questions you have for me as it relates to to sort of what you've evolved your business into. Yeah. So one of the things I, I hope to grow it into is, number one, a, a multimedia media platform that restaurants can be found online. That's you know, the narrative that they want, not the narrative that angry customers want. Uh, but the bigger thing for me is kind of following the fantasy factory idea. So this is van number one that I'm sitting in. It's a Mercedes van sprinter. It's got the the, the the fancy ceiling. It's got the TVs everywhere. It's got all that. It travels the country. We've got a second on the West Coast. Uh, the goals have 10 in the next five, next year. But the sixth one's going to be a 40-foot motorhome that I'm going to accompany, and we're going to take it and go behind the scenes. How you had the fancy factory, we're going to go remote and you'll go to different cities with an operator that has 10 restaurants and see the behind the scenes and use it as a marketing tool for the brand, but also as a way to just build up the traffic to everything we're doing for restaurants online. Yeah. And look, I, I think it's really, really smart. And I think at the end of the day, like there's sort of an economics um, that just has to be really uh, the primary focus is the profitability of each one of those units that's creating the content, you know, cause, cause at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want you to put a lot of stock in being able to monetize the content, um, at, in the early days, right. You'd have to end up getting an, an awful lot of, of views and viewership, uh, for it to basically become sustainable. Right. And, and, and not saying that that doesn't happen. I think that'll, that'll really be dictated on how you approach, how you create those segments for those restaurants. Right. Like if you can create some sort of hook, some, uh, some aspect of, of those restaurants that go a little, little bit beyond, 
you know, just profiling them, whether that's a special rating system, you know, whether it's some sort of like, you know, the heroes behind restaurants and you profile basically the founder first as sort of as opposed to the restaurant. And now it's this more human story. I, th- I think you should should really think about how you do the storytelling since you've already committed so deeply to uh, bringing the. Um, the opportunity for these restaurants to get this content made for themselves that that they would have otherwise never had, and then it's really about converting them, right? At the end of the day, it, you're you're gonna live and die on how you convert them into your funnel, whether it's turning uh, all of that content into their own marketing materials and showing them how to target their uh, you know local. Uh, consumers and how to drive traffic because if you can just get you know your stories clean we come in and profile and add this to you we give you national exposure on our platform but our real value is when you buy our package that retargets this to your local consumers and tell your story to them we push uh you know traffic into the restaurant by 50 percent in our first three uh, restaurants we've done this, there's some clean like like number that you can give to them that's going to convert them um, into being that that paid customer that now uses your marketing services full time that I think is is the honey hole that you gotta hunt in there, you know. Yeah, oh I agree. And we've we've got those numbers. I mean we work with three hundred plus restaurants across the country close to 400 locations. And so we, we can tell them, Hey, when you turn on our machine, we call it the ROI engine with this media kit, with the show that we're going to produce, you're going to see 150 to 200 customers in those first four weeks. And then our software uh, that we have on the back end that kind of runs that. So there's some pretty cool stuff we can show them. And I think for us, it's just a matter of the number of bats we get out there, you know, this week, you know, I think we did 18 visits just because I was down here in South Carolina speaking with the van to a huge company called Cisco. Uh, but next week, there's 48 visits that the team's going to shoot. You know, 48 visits in five days. That's, that's a lot of volume on the front end. Yeah, and and look, and, and I, I, I keep falling back into this storytelling, right? You know, like yeah. everything you do is super direct front facing as it relates to, to marketing uh, a restaurant, right? And it's, it's all super straightforward. And, and even, even, even the original America's best restaurant sort of concept of, you know, more, more or less having qualified reviews, um, was, was back to this very tactical sort of marketing way. And, and I, and I think you should consider as Matt Plapp, Matt, 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 Matt Plapp, that you should consider, like being like the hero of the restaurateur, right? And and profiling, like, you know, your next book being like the top 20 people I met across the country, restaurateurs I want, and really tap into the human side and be sort of like the hero for, you know, this might be a little bit dramatic, but but saving America's restaurants one one profile at a time, right? Like, I just think that, there's a hero story in you that that if you turn it more human towards profiling and uplifting and helping 
these, you know, restaurant entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot of value in that both to you, but also to potentially that drives into a fantasy factory type show where instead of it following you behind the scenes, it's following you basically helping and profiling all the very best because you want to see the restaurant industry continue to thrive. I, I just think like, that human side and making your book about that and being the hero sh- should be something that you consider as as you think about evolving how you end up on the front facing side uh, of the content, you know. And we've it's crazy you said that we literally just were brainstorming that about three days ago. Myself and my marketing director, I've got a podcast called MPTV that's uh, you know Spotify, iTunes, all those places. But we shoot it in person. We shot an episode in the back of this van two days ago with an owner of nine restaurants down here, thirty-five years old, six years in the business, crushing it. Uh, and the book we've been talking about is covering. We've done about a hundred episodes so far of MPT, but MPTV, but taking like you know fifty of those. What are the top 50 people, one from every state that we've seen making a difference? And if you've seen it, my logo, the MPTV is a, looks like a fist bump, but it's my initials MP. So you got to put that thumb in there. Hey, 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 you know, I saw it. You know, I saw it. I saw you talking to a restaurateur and being like, you see this MP right here? This ain't a fist. This is an MP. A Matt Plap, a Matt Plap, a Matt Plap. Hey, listen to me. You can sample that and put that in as the intro to MPTV. Look, I, I, I really think like you think about that as a brand, right? Like, and, and the same way you were going America's best restaurants, it's like, like branding that then that's your, your content in your television show or your long form following you. You already started the podcast branded in that same sort of like restaurant hero, like, you know, some, something that goes a little bit beyond just, just MPTV. And then you got your book. Now you have this amazing multi-platform universe of heroing restaurateurs who are ultimately who your customers are, you know? And for me, when you think about what I'm doing with the machine and, and how media and the machinists and the community and build with Rob, I'm just creating a platform to share, uh, with my way of thinking and business knowledge and how I look at, at, at business and, and giving people advice, having other people that I build companies with on the show, inviting machinists to come in and play part of our process, all of this media that I'm creating is essentially the gravity of wanting to attract the very best entrepreneurs to build companies with, right? Because at the end of the day, I want the very best to want to uh, create businesses with me so that I know that we together can go and find these this great success. And 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 to me, it's a very similar to what you're doing. So so I think if you you focus that, that ends up being like the 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 top of the funnel because they just want to work with you because they know how much you are are uplifting and heroing even what they're doing in the first place. So I, I love what you're doing. I, I think you combine it and make it a, a little bit more clear and make it human. And, and man, it's going to be the biggest thing you did, no doubt. And listen to me, you make sure Ash- Ashley is all over the nuts and bolts of this thing, uh, you know, because, you know, I know Ashley's the operator down there making, making, uh, uh, keeping everything in line. But I, I, I think if, if, 
if Ashley doesn't have a finance background, that that finding a great CFO consultant, uh, somebody with a, with experience that can can kind of fill in the financial side for your mind while you, and then you learn from them. Because like when you spend all your energy in marketing and vision and rely on someone that's a great operator but may not have the right financial background to, to make sure that you're, you're scaling the financial side, you just, you just want to fill that hole, especially at your level of experience, as a priority. You know what I mean? So you know, a CFO consultant changed my life. You know, because it finally taught me how to look at, at at businesses and finances the right way. Then I began to really understand it. Then I began to love it. Then I began to add it into every bit of strategic thought so that now everything came together and, and laddered all the way back to, to the financial uh, success of everything I did rather than just wanting to put together the big ideas, you know. But look, I'm super curious about this second question, man. Hit me with it. I took your advice. I listened to the podcast. I've got a little, my, my uh, little one-page website I created that's my life that I literally do exactly. I rate my life one to 10, my health, my work. I put notes on why I judged them there. And then I put my, my questions that I wake up at six today. Did I move today? Did I eat vegetables today? Did I read something today? That's been time with my family. Uh, I'm 50 days in. So today when I log tonight will be day 51. And the one thing I've, I've been trying to figure out is what is a six versus a seven? Like two days ago, my son had a bad day at football. I could tell he was down. I had a call with him. It crushed my day. And so my life that yep. day was a five and I'm, I'm trying to really, look back on those stuff. One of my team members is creating a dashboard for me that's going to help me kind of look at things, but I'm trying to find out how you look at it and to go deeper in those numbers so I can, you know, hack my days and make every day better than than yesterday. Listen to me. I could I could shed a tear right now. I could shed a tear. I mean, this is you're for, you're the first true first true person that I know that has applied the machine mindset philosophy. I I really like it it's a pretty com- complex concept uh to to take on uh but i really believe in it and and believe that it can can be extraordinarily effective in building what i like to call qualitative awareness how you how you feel and how you make decisions to ensure that you're always driving towards um energy, supplying energy, driving energy, and not draining energy. And and so when I think about the difference between a six, seven, a five, a four, and a three, I, I, I look at it really simple. I first start with like, am I half full or half empty? You know, because like on the days when you're half empty, like that's when it's below a five. And on a half empty day is like, it's deeper than just feeling like, oh, like this one thing happened and I'm bummed out. You start to question everything. When you drift down into questioning, like what, I shouldn't even have ever got this van. Like, why didn't I just stick to the website? When you start like, why did I even buy that house? Like I was perfectly fine with the other house. Like when you get like, 
you start tracking those because half empty is what yeah. you want to eliminate, right? And when you're neutral, meaning like you're is a five, right? When like you're not half empty, where you're not picking apart your life, but you're also not half full, where you're where you're really like uh, feeling good about everything. And even if you got hit by your son having a bad day, you would be half full. It wouldn't it wouldn't even bother you, right? But if you're half empty and you get hit by your son having a bad day, boy. You're, then you're crushed, right? Because you were already like like feeling down and feeling like questioning so many things. And to me, like, and, and I'll tell you the process. And it took years, right? And it and it took years to get really consistent at it. But and I really tried to focus on just not what was keeping me half full, because you know what keeps you half full. It's closing another deal. It's making progression towards it. It's, you know, all these things that you know, it's the half empties and, and understanding like, okay, why did I, was I in that state? What put me in that state? And, and then what happens over time is it, it ends up becoming the same things, like you keep kind of seeing the same things that keep pulling you down. And those are the things that you've got to attack and change, you know? And, and to me, if, if you look at it more clean like that, it'll be a much more useful tool, uh, and, and, and super effective, effective for you. You know what I mean? And look, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get your email address. I'm going to send you my rhythm of existence. It's my 80 page operating manual that I run my life by. And then I'm also going to send you, um, one of my dashboards on how I do it, where you could customize it yourself, uh, just so you could just see how okay. I do it. And then I'll show you all my data over the last two years. So you could see like, you know, what my waves were like at a highly optimized, you know, what the, the very high quality of it looks like. And then I'll show you what the difference is that I lived this year, which is the highest quality, highest energy, highest level of happiness that I, I have ever lived in my entire life. And I still see uh, the potential of where I will at one point be living so highly optimized that I will basically just be floating on air. You know what I mean? I will just basically be sailing through life, you know? And, and I think if it, by you starting it right now, it's a long game, right? At the end of the day, this is a tool to basically um, drive your life to where you're filled with energy and feel a high quality of living every single day. And you grow into that over time. But the fact that you've started, boy, we're on the way. So I'm going to share with you all of my tools because uh, I, I know they'll be useful to you and just give you another thing to kind of to learn and evolve from. And, and I look forward to, to hear your, pro, your, your progress and your happiness, okay? Love it. Also, if you could, send me the address to send you an, an MP hoodie. You got to get an MP hoodie for you. So send me that address for your size. I will. I will. I'm going to send you my address. And look, I, I, I appreciate how hard you work and who you are and, and, and keep evolving and driving and, and, and get organized and drive to a clear goal and go live your dreams, man, the way you've been doing it. You know what I mean? So I wish you the best. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. All right. Take care. All right. There you have it. Man, I just love it. Love it. Love talking to entrepreneurs. Love just talking about ideas. It's so fun for me just to get immersed in their worlds, you know, and I, I learn so much every single time. I really do. I just really, really learn so much and really, really enjoy it. Uh, again, wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You know, you want to be a part of this journey that is 
uh, the Deer Deck Machine. Come be a machinist. Come be a machinist. Be a part of our feedback loop. Give us and give us your your thoughts and ideas and, and feedback on our ideas. Be a part of this. You know, uh, it's a lot of fun and we love having you. Go to DeerDeckMachine.com. You got an idea for a company? Throw a video up there. Send it to us. We'd love to see that too. You know, and 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 if you are someone that has great vision, who knows in their heart of hearts that they are the one. And that they got the energy, the push, the drive, and everything that it takes. We want to partner with you because you are a do or die. See it, believe it, do it. Till next time.